This is the On Call Podcast. Your home for sports, news, pop culture, tech, and the obscure. And of course, your host, Michael Myers. going to watch this on YouTube. Now you get to hear it with the intro and the new intro along with it. The uh, on call, it's, it's a one man symphony. I follow him on Patreon. Real cool dude. Big fan of his. Go ahead and throw him some, throw him some cash. Uh, you'll see behind me this wonderful banner provided by Concepts AD, and also on the banner at the bottom of the screen on your right. More details coming soon. They're doing a bunch of stuff to help support everyone locally. They're up in New Jersey. Bottom left there, you see the logo that matches the banner. And you'll see me drinking a beer. And what you don't see on screen is the wonderful... Mrs. On Call Pod, how you doing there, baby? Oh, you know, just loving the dream. Fabulous. What did we do today? Cleaned out our fourth bedroom for the baby. It's a lot of work. You did you did real good work, eh? Did I? <laughs> you did. I'm just a I'm just a day laborer. You decide where everything goes. That's not my forte. It just isn't. It would have been faster to just rent like a tractor and just open up the wall and push all the shit out to the road. I mean, you're not wrong. It really would have been easier to just get rid of everything we had in there. But we did sell some shit on the Facebook marketplace, right? We did. I can't believe how quickly those desks sold. But I didn't realize was how cheaply you had posted them for. I think we only paid like $40 from them. They were from Big Lots. Oh, uh, well, it's okay. So the biggest thing with those was the labor that it took me to put them together. I mean, I legitimately just wanted them out of the house. And, you know, I probably could have listed them a lot higher with COVID and people homeschooling their children. Like, I'm pretty sure that's the person that purchased them. That very well could have been. That's her intent. Because... I'll tell you what, the reason we're, we have this wonderful, fabulous webcam is because it actually turned out to be cheaper to get a GoPro Hero 8, which is their newest one, and their summer discounts than it was to get a webcam used off of eBay. Should have bought stock in Zoom. That's true. We should have. I think they did, they did have a huge backlash though because they got breached right when the pandemic hit and their stock took a huge hit that's when you should have done it because although they got hit hard it really leveled off pretty quick hindsight is 2020 you know i'm wondering if that has even more meaning now in the year 2020 and the <laughs> like is there some subliminal messages going on 
I do hope that there is some good hindsight 2020. Oh, also behind me in this little, this whiteboard I have there. Hit me up at On Call Pod on Twitter. Give a like, a subscribe here on YouTube. Uh, rate and review on iTunes, the uh, On Call Pod. And at the top of the banner, you see conceptsad.com. Hopefully next week, I'm going to be wearing a shirt from them when we're recording. There's some good, they're good people over there, babe. Real good people. Oh, and your hoodie's on the way. Black hoodie, gradient stethoscope, white letters. I think it'll pop. I'm excited. I mean, you could do hot pink letters, but that's not very gender neutral. You're right. I wondered about making the whole shirt gradient, but I, uh, no. I don't know how well that would even mesh. Cheesy, babe. It's cheesy. Too cheesy. It's yes. kind of like the cosmic stuff that everyone wears nowadays. Yeah, we're 30. <laughs> Babe, I'm going to be 32 next month. Well, you're old, but, you know. I, ooh, I'm getting there. <laughs> so today, after all the work that you performed, you decided to come on the podcast with me. And I'm eternally grateful because uh, the, the fellow that's usually on, he'll be on, on another episode. Lowell is busy getting busy. Listen... You have a pregnant lady here that will lay you whenever you want. Lowell is probably struggling, man. Pandemic, getting laid. It has got to be a struggle. So you uh, cheer your friend on. I don't know, man. If he's if he's searching for the uh, service workers, you know, there's the bars are closed. Restaurants are kind of not doing a whole lot. And I think I think he could make a killing. He's got a secure job. He's working in the media. He's He's got a paycheck. He could probably just a couple of dinners will get him whatever he needs. Just rake it in, huh? Oh, it's pro- I bet he is. I bet he's doing well. I mean, traditionally women are pretty easy anyways. Well, we don't need to go into how we met. If you're if you're mildly attractive, not a complete asshole. Oh, that's how I got you. Because I'm know. not a total prick. Ew, it's because you're so nice. It's gross, dude. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, you're so nice. Most of the time. Not always, though. Nobody wants a pushover. Duh. They don't? Nobody? Don't Only those controlling psycho bitches that want to run somebody's life. The Karens of the world? Karens. That's how they become Karens. Old Play-Doh men. They just, <laughs> <laughs> they just mush. Play-Doh man. Fair enough. So, luckily we're both in the healthcare field. Both a couple of nurses. Both driven to work a lot harder since this fucking pandemic, I'll tell you that. But there's one thing I don't think we knew as much about until I researched it and listened to some other podcasts about it. And that's lobotomies. Do you know the the origins of it? No. Now, doing the research on it, it was pretty. It's pretty vague at how it started to begin with because it was really done ten times, and those were called leucotomies, and those were done overseas 
by another surgeon and he did not think that it was something that should be done at all. He said, it's, it's really kind of a comfort measures thing. It's not something, it's not a curative. It's really only meant to be something for extreme schizophrenia. So that's where it really lies. But they did things not really lobotomies before that. Burr holes and everything, which we still do to this day, dates back to 5100 B.C., so even old Egyptians, they were drilling into heads to try to relieve pressure and, you know, get rid of the demons. Okay, what were they drilling into heads with? I mean, rocks. Rocks and what? I mean, they built the pyramids. You don't think they had something hard enough? Gold. Gold was huge back then. Well, so the purpose of burr holes back then was to, like, relieve demons? Typically, yeah. Now, we we call them burr holes now, but back then it was called trepanation. Sure. I mean, even in huge um, paintings, like Hieronymus Bosch, who I one day would love to have his painting, which I don't know. Have you ever seen the giant Hieronymus Bosch painting? It's like the seven layers. It's so... Like it's an exquisite painting. There's so much shit on it. I would love to. I would love to see it in person. There's like thirteen thousand images in the one painting. Hurts my brain. It's and it's super. It's a super disturbing portrait. If you look, and <laughs> you want to hang that in our home. Well, I mean, like in a less <laughs> public area. Okay. Maybe our bedroom, right next to this TV. Yeah, that's great. Although I think it's. I think the image itself is like 13 feet wide, so I probably wouldn't fit. A mural for the baby's room. Perfect. We can get him used to seeing disturbed shit early on, and then it's not an issue. Breed a little sociopath. Good idea, babe. He's not going to be a sociopath. He's probably going to be empathetic because he's going to see hurt and pain, and he can understand it a little bit better. <coughs> Excuse me. So... The huge, the huge thing that happened to create the uh, neuro or neuro and psychiatric surgery stuff happened from a dude named Phineas Gage. He is a 25-year-old railroad, work, railroad worker, and he got hit in the fucking head by a railroad spike. He walked away from the incident, just straight up. Giant, three centimeter thick. It's like a 10 inch long spike through his head. And he just walked away with no um, somatic changes. No, no change in pressures, no change in any physical condition. And thus began the idea of people looking into, well, what can we do to change people? So prior to that injury... He was pretty smart, no huge issues in the head, no huge anger problems. But he did change a little bit. He became a little, uh, let's say, on, on edge. He, he, he would change his moods a little quicker. He would become 
easily irritable. And then you know how you are when you're drunk, right? All of a sudden, those bad ideas kind of become, well, fuck it, why not, right? He was less inhibited. That's when people decided, well, if you mess with the brain a little bit, we can probably change other people's condition and we can kind of control the issue. Now, I did find in the overseas cases, his name is uh, Minz. Well, he was French. What was his name? What was his name? It was a little different. But he he did t- he first started doing it on apes. And they found that they could control a little bit. And before it was even deemed a successful thing, Mr. Freeman, as Walter Freeman Jr., who graduated from George Washington University, second in his class, his father was also a famous uh, psychiatrist or psychologist. One of those, I don't know, a surgeon. He was a surgeon too. He was hugely successful and invented other surgeries. Freeman did not have the same capacity as his father. He was way less focused, way less way less focused on uh, detail. Attention to detail was pretty lacking with Mr. Freeman. Despite being incredibly smart, he decided to, eh, didn't like working with people. He's essentially like working with house. Would you like to do that? I mean, it would have its perks and its downfalls. So Freeman did not like working with people, but once he went into practice with another doctor, they decided to try to perform these lobotomies, which got made first in the United States by a doctor named Gottlieb Burkhart. Well, they were only doing it, Burkhart was only doing it on extremely schizophrenic people. That is not a lot of people. Extreme schizophrenia is not incredibly... eh. How many schizophrenics do you think you've met? I mean, that I can prove are schizophrenic? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've got my suspicions. I mean, in the hospital, like a handful. Like in my career, probably. A handful. Oh, I was thinking only maybe one... Or two? No, I have definitely had at least at least five. What do you uh, what do you think makes them schizophrenic? Just the voices? Mm. Schizophrenia is pretty crazy, man. And are we talking like paranoid schizophrenia? Regular old schizophrenia? Oh, just schizophrenic was all the determining because back then Schizophrenia was not labeled quite the same way that it is now. A lot of it then was quieting a voice, like you know, voices in their head. And I guess now it'd be labeled paranoid schizophrenia. I mean, I think the paranoia usually goes hand in hand with the schizophrenia. But what makes you that way? 
Man, it's like the million dollar question. Something's not firing right. Trauma, but I don't really think it's trauma. I think that you're born. It's something that emerges, you know, as you get older. I did hear that schizophrenia doesn't truly become prevalent in the brain until around 25. That's actually correct, I believe. It's later in life. And I think it's um, triggers. Like people usually have triggers that will flip that switch for them. Oh, thank God I made it past that time. No triggers yet. So Mr. Burkhart, he did it on monkeys as well. And in 10 years of his research, he only did the leucotomy six times in his career and felt that it wasn't something that ever needed to be done under the most, unless under the most extreme circumstances for schizophrenics. And that's really just to calm them to stop, stop them from hurting themselves. Well, Mr. Freeman was a big fan. He decided to, he, he, heard, he saw this performed once and he decided he's going to do this a lot. He is not even a surgeon. He watched the, the first lobotomies were performed by surgeons drilling on either side of the, you know, of your temples and two surgeons working in conjunction to remove parts of the prefrontal cortex, which is what a lobotomy truly is. It's trying to sever the connections of the brain's prefrontal cortex, most of the connections to and from the prefrontal cortex and the anterior part of the frontal lobe, which is the true controller of the emotion center of the brain, which is why Phineas Gage when he got struck by the railroad tie, all of a sudden lost his inhibitions because the emotional center was cut. He just decided, well, fuck it, why not? It's fucking crazy, right? That's pretty crazy. So Freeman went into business with, uh, I forget his name because he's not important. Him and another surgeon were in a practice together. Freeman was not a fan of the inefficiency of the procedure. They didn't like having to book an OR or anything like that. So he decided he was going to do these in a office setting. How many, how many doctor's offices have you been in, babe? A few? A few. I mean, they're just doing them like we do outpatient knees now. Ooh, let's just... Cut a little chunk of them out and send them on their way. I mean, it's not even that because at least then you can go to a surgery center. He was doing it. Say you're going to get your shots. You're getting vaccinated. So you're walking in, sitting down, alcohol swab and a poke and you're done. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to make it such an efficient surgery. Despite not being a surgeon. He loved the idea of being a surgeon, but didn't like the detailed orient, orientis, the detail oriented aspect of being a surgeon. Eh, surgical procedures, we don't need sterility, right? Let's just let's just try to see if we can kind of get a melon baller and 
poke him. So he didn't like the idea of doing the burr holes or shaving the head or using anesthesia. Who would let him do this to them? Well, you know, back in the 30s, there wasn't a whole lot of regulation. And when he decided to do this, he didn't really have the the board's support for this. He just decided he wasn't even going to tell his business partner. He would usher people in when he knew that his partner wasn't going to be in the office that day. So he also developed a new way to perform uh, spinal taps rather than, uh, what's it when they go by the lumbar? Like an epidural? Yeah, he wanted a new way to do an epidural. He would sit you in the table that you lie in when you're getting like a speculum at the OB. Mm -hmm. He would sit that up and he would have the patient put their chin to their chest and go right up by the brain stem to administer the epidural all the way up top. And (laughs) not a big fan of sterility either. One little alcohol swab. Even though like bacterial meningitis and die. I mean, you got to die of something, right? I mean, that's not my choice. That's probably smart. It's not your choice. It's not mine either. Especially because there's just, even under the best of circumstances, a lot of epidurals can go wrong. It doesn't take much. I mean, I personally know people whose epidurals have gone wrong. Right? Between the low back pain, the nerve damage. The headaches. My girlfriend, her sister had headaches for three months to the point there were weeks that she literally couldn't sit up without vomiting. Like, kill me. That sounds terrible. I'm not a big fan at the idea of, I don't like one headache. I will take eh, as many Tylenols as it takes to cut that headache out and wash it down with some booze. I hate headaches so much. You guys hear that? He treats his headache with booze and ibuprofen. Yeah. Like the Midwest boy that he is. If it works, it works. But I don't get headaches often. Four, maybe a year, three. So, Mr. Freeman, who is known as the father of lobotomies, after inventing a new way to give his epidural because he didn't want to have an anesthesiologist, because he didn't want to do any sort of sterility involved. He decided to go through the cabinets in the office and he found an ice pick. So on the the side of your nose where your tear duct is, decided he wanted to crack that bone. And once he did that, he would dig into that behind that occipital bone just a little bit further and scrape around and disattach the frontal lobe that way. Doing it super quick. His partner found out and they no longer were business partners. Well, Mr. Freeman decided he's going to give himself, he's, he's going to make himself a, a traveling show. So he took it on the road in the lobotomobile. 
And he decided to find out how many he could do. And he loved it so much. He loved just scooping out brains as much as he could. And a given week, I think the highest he ever did in one week was 110 lobotomies in one single week. I mean, what exactly was he... Like, what was, what exactly was he removing? And what was he telling these people? Who agrees to this? So, and the things I read of the testimonials of people who had had it done, a lot of it was mostly demanding husbands and commanding husbands trying to have their wives a little more under control. They didn't like if women complained. Um, there's there's another one, uh, John Dowd, who was a 12-year-old boy whose stepmom didn't like him, took him to Freeman, and had a lobotomy done. In hindsight, later in his life, he didn't find out until he was 54 that he'd had a lobotomy done to him. He didn't know what was done until someone told him, about the procedures, like, oh, I had that done to me. I don't remember it much. He's a bus driver in the UK. A lot of lobotomies were done by loved ones who didn't want any, I didn't want any guff. I didn't want a woman complaining that their shoes were too tight or that they were doing this and this around the house. So took him to Dr. Freeman, and he did not decline to do a lobotomy to anybody. So if Dr. Freeman's grandson or anyone's still performing them, I got a woman over here. She needs lobotomy. She's complaining that her back hurts because she's pregnant. Well, you know what? My back hurts too, but I'm not complaining. So, babe. What? I'm going to go get you a lobotomy. That's rude. (laughs) Inconsiderate. I'm over here carrying your baby, cleaning. But see, the men were not liking that their women were complaining, so they just took them to get lobotomies. You just need to keep them happy. Oh, well, in the 40s, your job was to keep me happy. Well, in the 40s, women didn't work full-time either, so I could spend 40 hours a week keeping you happy, or I can spend 40-plus hours a week paying the bills. You do your uh, picking. So you're letting me know now you're, there's no intent to make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's not that there's no intent to make you happy. It's that, you know, I mean, we both work 50 hours a week. This ain't the 40s anymore, you know. Women had to go and get equal rights. They were all pissed off that they were oppressed. I don't know. I mean, I think I would have looked great in an apron sweeping the fucking floor. But you know. Fucking women, man. Here fucking we are. Women. They had to ruin it for us all. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have to agree with the with that. Yeah, women didn't. They want all these equal rights. This is what happens. They ruined it, man. You guys, had the, you guys were living the life. I don't know. You guys couldn't vote either. Yeah. Pish posh. So, Mr. Freeman, I did uh, find out that it was essentially one third 
of everything. It was a third of the cases had a positive result based on what was intended by the patient or their loved ones. A third were bad and a third had no change. The third that were bad, half of that was death. If you had yourself a lobotomy done by Mr. Freeman, there was a 15% chance you were going to die within days. I mean, that's really not the worst statistics I've ever heard. What? <laughs> what other surgery has a 15% death rate? I don't know. I mean, if you've got like an aneurysm, it's pretty high. Like a triple A, I mean... Their death rate's pretty high. Usually by the time you catch those fuckers, you're dead. This is a 10-minute procedure yeah. with a cotton swab. You know, there's risk to everything in life. Well, Mr. Freeman was so proud of his procedures. He had himself a pure gold ice pick made. Because he's so fucking fancy, stainless steel just wouldn't do. So while he's traveling around in the Lobotomobile on his way to cities, he would call the local news agencies and describe what he's going to do, and he would invite them to come and watch. It's pretty sick. He had no concern for anything other than being popular and famous for this. Dude won a Nobel Prize for the frontal lobotomy. Cover of Newsweek. Cover of Time. I can't. I, I, oh, my goodness. Once the procedure was prescribed and even families found out what was going on, hospitals started picking up the policy to perform these because when you deal with crazy patients, you know, there was a lot more insane asylums back then. No one wants to deal with a patient throwing shit and hitting elder, the other patients or orderlies or nurses or doctors. So even though this procedure had a 15% death rate and everything, nothing, no one had a perfect turnout of desired outcomes but because the crazies weren't hitting anymore it gained steam so think about that you start acting up over there i'm gonna get a nice pick you're gonna live but you're gonna be catatonic now it didn't really take long before this procedure did lose lose faith and people did catch on this is not the way to go you asleep over there no i'm awake <laughs> i can't see you behind this fabulous monitor <laughs> it did it did garner some negative publicity eventually and it really didn't take long 
it was only about 20 years that it was really super prevalent. You don't think 20 years is a long time? With, I mean, they didn't have this, any of the same practices we do now. No news media, no social media, really. Everything was essentially local. And if you think about the population of a, you know several million people in the United States, there was twenty five to thirty five thousand performed entirely. But this fucker, once he started losing uh, customers and everything, he decided to teach other psychologists to perform this. More people that don't that didn't even take a surgical residency. He taught to perform this fucking procedure. I I don't know how, like, this could never pass today. I want to see what you, I wonder if in today's environment, if it'd be possible to develop a new procedure and how much popularity it could garner before it got caught. Could you do more than 25,000 knowing that there's a 67% chance that there's going to be no difference? Those are pretty shitty odds. Right? 67% chance that it's going to be no change or worse. Now, the most famous case of a lobotomy was by JFK's little sister. I think little sister. Either way, John F. Kennedy's sister. Do you know the story of Rosemary Kennedy? No. Well, I I actually have a huge thing on her. Uh, I don't want to discuss it that much, but... So, Rosemary was born... In 1918, when her mom was in to give birth, the doctor decided not to show up to the delivery. So the nurse that was supposed to help to deliver the baby actually grabbed the baby's head, threw mom's, you know, love area, and deprived the baby of oxygen, forced the baby to stay in mom's vagina for how long do you think? I don't know. How long do you think? Oh, I have no idea. Two hours. The nurse held Rosemary's head Inside of her mom for two hours before the doctor showed up to deliver the baby. That's torture. That is a long fucking time to keep your hand inside someone's pussy to keep him from giving birth. So early on in their life, they called Rosemary retarded because you deprive a, a, a baby from good oxygen for that long. You're probably going to have some developmental delays. Kind of surprising she survived. Right? Like now they're start like the baby had to have been having like D cells and stuff. And like now they're like, gotta get the baby out. 
right? They're quick to yank a shit out. They'll grab you with a giant uh, claw machine and pull the shit out. So awful. So there's a shit ton of super conflicting stories to how slow Rosemary was. If we're going to go based on the middle, she was probably slightly below average intelligence. But she did write letters. She did go to school. But she was not going to be valedictorian. There's everyone here. Everyone who's listening in or watching probably knows someone that's, eh, you know, he could flip burgers the rest of his life. But that is not the Kennedy way. So uh, her dad, Joe Kennedy, who was a senator, he was not about to have his retarded daughter at the forefront of the media because you're a Kennedy. They are rich. They are powerful. They're elite. So he's already isolated little Rosemary. And he wants to, they find Dr. Freeman. Dr. Freeman performs a lobotomy on her, which I think she was 19, maybe 21 at the time. They decided they wanted to have a lobotomy for Rosemary because there were reports of little Rosemary at 19 years old writing letters to boys. And she was a little bit promiscuous because she was, when she was younger, a beautiful girl. I feel like all the Kennedy women were. It's a good gene pool to be a Kennedy. So, old Joe Sr. decided to have Dr. Freeman perform with lobotomy on Rosemary. What do you think those results were there, lover? I mean, did it make matters worse? So, Dr. Freeman wanted to have a successful surgery. Well, procedure, because, you know, cotton swab and a nice pick. You don't have to be, you know, exact. So, he decided to have Rosemary start singing songs while he was performing so he could see changes in her. So, knock in there. And then sing Mary Had a Little Lamb. Okay, she starts singing, starts singing. And then, bam, all of a sudden, no longer is Mary Had a Little Lamb very intelligible. And she's now garbling her words. Old Dr. Freeman went a little too far when he was doing his surgery. And that was the last time that she was ever continent or spoke intelligibly. And from then on, at 20 years old, that was the last time his mom, uh, um, Rosemary's mom, ever saw her. Joe saw the big fuck up and he put her in a home. He institutionalized her. Let's see. Where did where did he send her? Um da, 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 da. Uh, so she was 23 during the surgery. She was sent to 
damn it. It wasn't even on there because it was a hidden secret. Nobody knew. None of the family. The only person that knew where Rosemary went to was Joe Kennedy Sr. For 20 years, until Joe had a stroke in 1962, and he was on his deathbed, he knew that he had to have something done so that someone knew where fucking Rosemary was at. Uh, let's see. This is actually the reason that JFK decided to have like the special Olympic, uh, special Olympics, and they were huge um, advocates for mentally disabled people. So, like in the early '60s through the mid '60s, they did, they put tons of money into the Social Security Act and developing stuff for like the Shrivers. Um, the mental retardation planning amendment to the maternal and child health and mental retardation planning amendment to the social security act. That's what it was. So you could have benefits for the rest of your life. If you're found to be incapable of caring for yourself, which is awesome. Could, cause man, it would suck so much to just be born incapable of caring for yourself. And to know that there's nothing's going to happen to you. Like, the fuck do you do? If you are born mentally retarded and you can't do anything for yourself, what what are you going to do? I have no idea. I mean, that's, I, those are probably the babies way back when that they would just flush. Just. I mean, I can't say that I think that that's entirely wrong. Like, what kind of quality of life is that going to? I, I don't know. To? It's fucking shitty. And the parents die, and then where does that leave the kid? It's just really fucked up. And it's fucking expensive. It is so hard to house and care for someone that can't care for themselves. Even if you're successful in your life, like nowadays, it's like $4,500 just to room and board an elderly person in a an ALF, and that's not even skilled nursing. Just making sure that they take their pills and eat three hots in a cot. That's it. It's $4,500 down here. Fuck, right? That's, that is so much money. You're yeah, looking at I mean, over 50 grand. That. Yeah. That's, mid, that's, that's middle class just to make sure that someone can eat three meals take their pills and sleep with the roof over the head. I don't That's fucking crazy. So this still was not Dr. Freeman's last case. The end of the lobotomy, Dr. Freeman performed his final one in 1967. After he performed his third lobotomy, on a longtime patient who developed a brain hemorrhage and died on the table. That's not the last lobotomy in history because I'm pretty sure that they have done it this decade. Well, I guess the 2010s. Because under extreme circumstances of schizophrenia, I think they will do it. Now, Dr. Freeman, 
he decided he wanted nothing to do with anesthesia. So do you know how he would render them catatonic and unable to resist? Something fucked up, I'm sure. Electroconvulsive therapy. He would hook them up to some electrodes and shock the shit out of them until they passed out. That's where the for the referred patients that didn't want the procedure anymore. Like, oh, oh no, I don't want to have this. Who are you? What are you doing in my room? All right, she was crazy. You saw that, right? She needs this lobotomy. She can't handle this. She's crazy. And then he would start scooping out some brains. This dude is fucking crazy. They never... I don't know if you can... can you, do you know if you can rescind a Nobel Prize? Because I don't know. I. I really don't know. I don't think you can. Once you get it, you kind of got it. I mean, how can they take it away? I don't know. They strip world titles for from athletes. You'd think that they could take away a Nobel Prize. I don't know. That's... Woo! I'm glad that... You know, there's a lot of stuff. The, the, FDA, and every, the FDA and everything gets wrong. But I think controlling and stopping the... Uh, the lobotomy was one of those things like, well, yeah, let's stop. No, we can't do this one. This one's this is kind of bad. Anyway, that was what I had on lobotomies. Now, electroshock therapy, they still do a lot of. There's they do a yeah, lot. Yeah, there's a, what is it, ECT day? Yeah, it's a whole day. At the hospital we used to work at. Yeah, ECT. There's uh, usually like 10 cases almost every. Every Wednesday. Weekly, yeah. I was I was there. I got to watch him walk in. It's you just couldn't pay me enough to work in psych. It's so fucking depressing. I heard a doctor say in 2020... We are reaching the middle ages of understanding of the human brain. We are no longer in the dark ages, but we know so little. We're the equivalent of being in the 17, 1800s of knowing the brain. It's There's people on psych drugs that can be on it for 20 years, and then they wake up Tuesday after Tuesday morning. And it's, this drug doesn't work anymore. No rhyme or reason. It just all of a sudden doesn't work. We we know nothing about the fucking human brain. Kind of an important organ. No, nothing. It's very complex, though. Yeah, I mean, we don't even understand the most of common conditions. We don't understand how depression works. We don't understand how to fix depression. We barely understand the, well, the symptoms of fixed depression. There are studies that show like, you know, something as simple as exercise can, you know, really help with depression. It's just people don't want to do that. Our society has gotten towards taking a pill to fix things, unfortunately. That is true. Which is never, ever the answer. 
uh, Dr. Rob, who we had on the third episode, talked about this on another show that exercise can cure mild, well, is a significant treatment for mild to moderate depression, which is I the mean, vast majority of cases is mild I've to moderate. watched it happen. Like I've watched it happen personally and like not my myself, I've never struggled with depression, but it's crazy. You see somebody transform just, you know, from exercising daily, but people don't realize your body is not meant to be stagnant. You're not meant to just be sedentary. So, you know, you get moving, you exercise, get your blood flowing, get some endorphins going. You feel all around better. You have more energy. But, you know, if you're already deep in that spiral, how do you pull yourself out to even do that? I don't know. I've never been that. Never been down there in the rabbit hole. I do believe that it's pretty hard to get out of depression because in most things in your life, it's just easy to maintain. So once you start going down that rabbit hole, I don't, I don't, I'm with you. I don't know how to break out of it. But again, I think a lot of our society looks towards if I take this pill, it'll fix things. But nine times out of 10, you're going to take that pill. It's not going to fix it. And it's probably going to give you another problem. So then you're going to need another pill and, and so on and so forth. And you then know? you have how many side effects associated with that pill. So yeah. guess what? We'll give you a pill for your side effects. How does every depression drug say that like one of the largest side effects is suicidal ideations? So like you're going to give a depressed person this drug to fix their depression, but they might also want to kill themselves. What? Oh, like, how sad is that? We'll I mean, fix you or break you. Crap geez, shooting. Like, what a gamble that is. So, baby. Yeah. What are we going to do tomorrow? I mean, people are going to come pick up our shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is a, a successful Facebook Marketplace day. It was. Treadmill couple of desks yeah. and we're gonna the the washer that was here when we moved in that's that's next right the washer or the dryer it's the dryer we sold the washer to Lara. to our friend yeah whose washer had just broken you know you never notice your washer and your dryer they never break at the same time and your washer almost always breaks with like a full load of clothes in that's what Hell, we had a couple breakdown at the last house. Uh, we had one breakdown at the last house, and it fucking died with mom's clothes and a full thing of water. Ah, uh, that's what it was. It was shitty. Yeah, it broke a couple times, and then we always had the local appliance people come and fix it. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. So we're going to shop for some baby stuff. Got to start looking at things. Because I'm 25 weeks pregnant now. Is that all? Feels like it's been forever. I feel I feel like it's been forever that you've been using, but I'm growing your baby as an excuse. I hope every woman out there listening to this is like, fuck that guy, she's growing life. Oh, don't be saying that. Every woman <laughs> does say that. So when I, 
<laughs> if a patient ever is like, oh, what's going on? Uh, she's sleeping. Well, she's growing your baby. Listen, I get that. Do you? I, I don't have to like it. Express your gratitude with um, foot rubs and back rubs. My gratitude? Yeah. We could we can clip that baby out right now and not have to show any more gratitude. Um, he is not done cooking. Uh, no, we're. I didn't say it had to be viable. You're <laughs> I got a coat hanger. Oh my god, it's past that point, sir. Is it ever? Yes. Uh, Late term abortions. Oh, no, uh, you can feel a move now, you freak. I don't get to feel move. Well, if you'd be a little patient with him. I wonder. Listen here, fellas. I know it's awesome. I don't know what it is. I just, I don't know if I have numb fingers or what it is. She, she'll like, oh, here, she'll grab my hand, put it on her belly. I got nothing. I can't feel minutes. And then she'll look at me quick and sudden. Did you feel it? I didn't. He doesn't hold his hand there for minutes. He's not that patient. Everybody. He's not. This is my podcast. I hold it there for minutes. Six. It might be your podcast, but it's a distorted view of reality, sir. How dare you? (laughs) Delusion is delusion, whether it's your podcast or not. I know my truth. (laughs) Your truth. (laughs) Just like go. I know what I know. So this has been the 24th episode of the On Call podcast. I had a hoot. The wife, I mean, I thought she was going to have more sarcastic remarks, but she's laying in bed. So I realized this is probably not the most idyllic situation for someone that you'd want poignant responses from. But alas, she came in again. This is only the second time she's been on. So I'm hoping she does it again. And I'm hoping she's a little more snarky and sarcastic and chimes in more next time. You're hoping for my snarkiness, are you? Well, you know, you're smarter than I am, and I have told many people. And people like you more than they like me. So, I figure if I bring you in more, more people will like and listen. I don't know why he thinks that. (laughs) But I want to thank you for coming and joining me today. Most people say you're welcome. Welcome. (laughs) And just because you cannot apparently take verbal cues, I'm going to withhold your cuddles tonight. The dog, Aria, will get all of them, even though I think she's been sleeping on you the whole podcast, right? She is dead asleep, dreaming. I don't know. I feel like you might hear her growls in the background. We had to give her some, some... Drink us some beer because, man, she we could, we could not get her to settle down. She was running nonstop during the thunder that we had while cleaning up the baby's room. I feel bad for her because this dog has so much anxiety. I know I should get her some CBD, but you you don't know who to trust. You don't know what kind of what's the best CBD for your dog. You don't know what's approved and what's not. What? And she's so small, everybody. She's. Six pounds. She's six pounds. There's not a lot of room for error. Yeah, that And that's my biggest fear is like, I'm not going to just order it off Amazon because you don't know. I don't know what the strength is. 
the purity. I fear that we just I will give her beer. Okay. A couple <laughs> of shots of beer. Dog beer. Today she was drinking Shock Top. So if there's anyone in the Inglewood area, the local mobile four ninety nine a six pack. You can't beat that. Can't beat it with a stick. Anyway, this has been the twenty fourth episode of the On Call Podcast. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Like, retweet, follow on Twitter at OnCallPod. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash OnCallPod. I had a hoot and a half. And the next episode, we will do a little bit of sports talk. And it will be about... One of the most infamous days in baseball history. It was June. I have the date. I have the date. It was June 10th, 1974. June 4th, 1974. Damn it. That was pretty. That's pretty close. You can look it up. June 4th, 1974 will be the topic of the next one. And I think. Ah, fuck it. We'll figure it out. I'll shoot the shit with you guys. We'll discuss some sports. And maybe you guys can give me advice on how to build a laptop instead of, or build a computer instead of overpaying for another Apple product so I can record this podcast in 1080p versus 720 with a decreased uh, size of screen. Anyway, this has been your host, Michael Meyer. This is the On Call Pod. Thanks for listening to the On Call Podcast. Check us out on Twitter at On Call Pod. Interested in being a sponsor or want to be on the show? Drop us an email at oncallpod at gmail.com. For more info, go to oncallpod.com. And check out conceptsad.com.